Hello, podcast listeners. Welcome to another episode of Kingdom Talk with Tanya. I've missed you guys again. Um, Unfortunately, I did not post for the first Saturday in October. I apologize for that. I have so much going on. Uh, But here we are today, and then we will not be back in two weeks because it's the fifth Saturday. You're listening to Kingdom Talk with Tanya. So I'll be back with you the first Saturday in November, ready with a fresh word. Um, I record or I post on the first and third Saturdays typically every month. So thank you all for your faithfulness and tuning in and listening to what the Lord gives me. I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful for the gift that he placed on the inside of me so many years ago and that it's all coming to pass and it's being manifested now in my life. I'm just so, so very, very grateful for that. Today, our message, the title of the message is Jesus, the Miracle Worker. Jesus, the Miracle Worker. I could have said God, the Miracle Worker, but they are interchangeable. Um, It's three. The three is one. God, the Father, Jesus, the Son, and then the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised he would leave after he um, died and went to the Father in the book of Acts. So I thank God for Jesus. And we're going to talk about some of his miracles today. So Jesus is a miracle worker. My question to you is, do you believe in miracles? Do you believe that miracles still exist today? Do you believe miracles still exist today? Well, in the Bible, there are 120 miracles that was performed in the Old and in the New Testament. You know about many of them in the Old Testament. I think Noah's Ark is obviously a miracle and the fact that he saved um, he and his family and all of those animals and they survived. And of course, um, parting the Red Sea so that the Israelites could get out of Egypt and on and on and on in the Old Testament. And then Jesus, Jesus ministered only for three years of his 33 years of life, but there are 37 of those 120 miracles that Jesus actually performed. And this is what we know about. We don't know about all the miracles that Jesus performed. I mean, if the Bible talked about all 365 days or in three years of Jesus's life, um, it would be probably, it would be way more than what we read. It'd be too much to read, actually. But also in John um, 21 and 25, it says that uh, Jesus did um, many other things, too much to contain. So we know there are way more miracles than what we know about, but there were 37 that we know about in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. My next question to you is, do you or someone you know and love stand in need of a miracle right now? Maybe it's a miracle or healing in their physical body or your physical body. Maybe it's healing or a miracle in a relationship or in your marriage. Maybe your marriage is at the brink of destruction. Maybe you need... um, a miracle over your mental state or over your spiritual state or a loved one's mental or spiritual state. Maybe it's your finances that you're struggling with. You don't even know how you're going to pay your power bill or you're going to pay your rent. You're afraid of being evicted. Maybe you've already gotten an eviction notice. I will tell you, when it comes to the finance thing, 
I struggled um, financially. We'll talk a little bit more about it here in just a little bit. You know how I lost my job. I was laid off in 2003. And for two years, I didn't work a full-time job. I went to school full-time and I had to trust God with my finances. And it was hard. Um, And I was blessed by so many people. I give God all the glory for that. The people that he brought into my life to bless me. And it also humbled me at that time. But it was a struggle. I did not know how I was going to pay my bills. But God worked so many miracles in my life in that season of my life. So I personally firsthand understand the financial miracles. I understand the mental miracles that need to be worked as well because I went through a situation in my life that it was so mentally taxing on me that if I had given up or if I hadn't continued to fight through it, um, I could have very well been dealing with a mental illness um, because I was sick. I was very, very, very sick mentally. Um, I wasn't depressed. I did not go into a state of depression. I give God the glory for that. And that's because I was leaning on and relying and trusting in him. It's the only reason I didn't go through depression. But I had some mental illness going on. I couldn't think straight. I couldn't concentrate. It was a really, really bad state to be until I pulled myself out of the situation in order to get my mind right, if you will. Um, But I had to rely on God in that situation as well. Um, You could be standing in need of a miracle for healing over your child's life. Maybe your child's in a state of rebellion. Maybe they're dealing with some physical ailments. I can also share with you, I went through a very, very um, turbulent uh, time years, actually, with my son. And I always say I don't share his story because his story is his story. But I will say for my part in that, it was difficult. It was very, very difficult. He went through a state of rebellion. And for me as a mother... It was hard. I mean, I had some sleepless nights. I was on my knees a lot. I was praying. I was asking for prayer um, regularly to trust God. But I've seen God's work so many miracles in that man's life. And I call him a man because he's a grown man now. He's 28 years old. And it took a long time and a lot of prayer and trusting and having faith in God. But God did it. He had to do his part too. But God, God did it. I give God the glory for it. Um, Maybe it's that you can't get pregnant. You're barren. I mean, there are some women who want to have a child and they are struggling to get pregnant. They're struggling to get pregnant. Do you know that there are six women total in the Bible that were also barren? They couldn't have children. Three of them were matriarchs. And honestly, I looked this up because God put this on my heart to kind of focus on this for just a moment, even though this isn't what my message is about. But God put this on my heart, so I know there's somebody that's going to be listening that needs to hear this. But three of them were matriarchs. And when I mean a matriarch, they were like mothers. They were the mother of so many people. Um, One of them was Sarah. And a lot of you know that. Sarah and Abraham waited for years. I think it was 25 years to have their son Isaac. So Sarah was barren, and eventually God blessed her. Rebecca was barren. Well, guess who Rebecca was? She was Isaac's wife. Abraham's son, Isaac's wife, Rebecca, was also barren. And then the other person that was barren was Rachel. Rachel just so happened to be Jacob's wife. And guess who Jacob was? Jacob was Isaac's son. So this was generational. I talked about generational curses in my previous podcast. This was generational. Abraham, his son Isaac, and Isaac's son Jacob, who would have been Abraham's grandson. All three of their wives were barren, but God, he blessed them. So if you want a child and you've been asking God for a baby 
continue to trust him. I've known people personally, one of my you know favorite people in the world was struggling to get pregnant years ago. And I'll tell you what she said to me. She was, it was years that she was waiting to have a child. And she said, as soon as she stopped thinking about it, it happened. So for any of you out there that have been wanting to have a child and you can't have a child, know that God said that uh, for us to be fruitful and multiply. So he also wants you to have a child. You just have to trust him and wait on him. And when it's time, he will bless you. And if for whatever reason, it does not happen and, it, and it's just, it, it ends up being totally impossible because of your age, age um, barriers. There are so many children that need a parent, a beautiful and a loving home. So be, be careful to consider that as well. So I didn't want to get on a tangent about that, but I will say, like I said, when I was studying and preparing for this, God put that on my heart. So I knew I had to share it because that's a miracle that I know some people are standing in need of and God will give it to you if you trust him in due season. You just have to be patient. So today I'm going to share a few stories in the Bible where Jesus healed. He healed some people in the Bible. But before I read this, the Bible says that he, God, is no respecter of persons in Romans 2, 11. And that just basically means there's no partiality with God. He's not partial. Partial. So if he did it for someone else, he will do it for you. And if he did it for you, he'll do it for me. My scripture reading comes from John 10 and 10. And that says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I, God, have come that they, meaning you, may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Pay attention to what the scripture says there. The thief, the thief is Satan. He only comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. It doesn't say steal or kill or destroy. He came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he will attempt to do all three of those things in your life. And sometimes he will use your children, your mother, your spouse to accomplish what he sets out to do. But then look at God's promise and hold on to that. Because he came so that we could live life and live it more abundantly. So he wants to work those miracles out in your life if you just trust and believe him and wait on him. Satan is no match for God. So today we're going to focus on four stories of healing and of triumph in the Bible for miracles. And I want you to visualize yourself in the roles of the one of the one of those miracles or all four of them, if all four of them apply to you. If it speaks to you and your situation, I want you to really lean in and, and listen to what I'm going to say. And I'm not going to go through the whole story for sake of time of each of these, but I'm just going to touch on them briefly. The first one is um, the story of a man named Legion, and it's in Luke 8. 26 through 39. So feel free to go back and read these, especially if it relates to your story. Legion was what we would call today a crazy man. He was demon possessed and he actually lived um, pretty much in a graveyard is the way I would look at it from the way the Bible describes it. He lived in a graveyard. He didn't have a home. He uh, was bound up and he had on no clothes. So you can imagine this demon possessed man. Nobody wanted to be around him. They were probably all afraid of him. Well, Jesus wasn't afraid of him because Jesus approached this man. And when he approached Legion, Legion cried out and fell down before Jesus. He begged Jesus not to torment him. Clearly, he had heard about Jesus. 
And there was some humility, I imagine, when, when he bowed down to Jesus, this crazy man who had heard about Jesus, he bowed down to him. And he humbled himself. Well, when he bowed down before Jesus and begged him not to torment him, Jesus rebuked those demons that were in that man. He rebuked them. And those demons immediately went out of that man and they went into the swine, the pigs that were up on the mountain. They were nearby on the mountain. And the man was instantly healed. He was instantly healed. And he was now in his right mind. Well, there were people around and they saw this. They saw this miracle and they went and told it, which is exactly what we want to happen. Meanwhile, Legion, Legion now is healed. He's in his right mind and he begs Jesus to let him go with him. He wanted to go with Jesus. He's like, man, this, this man healed me. I want to go with him wherever he goes. I probably would be the same way. Jesus, can I just go with you? Um, but Jesus told Legion, no. Uh, he wanted uh, Legion to return to his home and tell others of the great things that God had done for him. This man was hungry. He was hungry. He wanted to be healed and he asked for it. The scripture says you have not because you ask not. What do you need to ask God for? What do you need to humble yourself before him and ask him for? Ask him. He knows what you need, but he wants you to ask him for it. He wants you to be humble and ask him just like Legion did. If a crazy person can ask Jesus for help and he's not even in his right mind, then you certainly can. And then expect God to do it. You have to expect him to do it. Trust him and remind him of his word. The next miracle I want to talk about is Jesus healing the paralytic man. And he does that in Mark 2, 1 through 12. This man had four, I call them crazy friends, four crazy faith friends. And they had this man on a stretcher. Now, you know, stretchers back in biblical days did not look anything like they do today. I imagine it was like a sackcloth or something kind of sturdy. And then maybe it had four corners that were wooden. So there were four men and they had were holding him up on four different corners, I imagine. And they were trying to get this man to Jesus to, to get his healing. So many people that needed miracles tried their best to make their way to Jesus. Well, there was no room for them to get this man to Jesus, especially because imagine this is a man on a stretcher. So it's not like they can narrowly squeeze through the crowd. They've got to carry him through this crowd to get him to Jesus. Well, they couldn't. They could not get through to Jesus. There was no room for him to get in. There was not even room at the door. So what they did, because apparently Jesus is in a house or something like that, they went up on the rooftop with this man. They uncovered the roof and they let down this man's bed inside of that house. The Bible says that in um, verse 4 of this scripture of Mark and chapter 2. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said, son, your sins are forgiven you. And in verse 10, he told him to arise, take up his bed and go to his house. Again, this man was instantly healed. You got to believe God for a suddenly. God works suddenly. He still works suddenly. Believe him for a suddenly because he's been doing that in these last two miracles we saw. And it, it may not, you may not get a suddenly. It may take a while for it to be manifested. But if you have some crazy faith, it can instantly happen. I've seen it. It's happened to me before. But those friends with the crazy faith, they helped this man to get to Jesus. We all need some crazy, God-fearing friends. We all need it. The third miracle I want to talk about is Jesus calming the storm on the sea. And that's in Mark 4, 35 through 41. And most people know this story, even if you don't really read the Bible. 
So what happened was a windstorm came and the waves beat into the boat. I don't know how big the boat was, but the disciples were in the boat and there were 12 disciples. So it was pretty, pretty good size. And then Jesus as well. Jesus was asleep on a pillow. The Bible says he was asleep on a pillow. Jesus was comfortable. He was not phased by this storm. So the disciples, of course, they were fearful. And what did they do? They woke Jesus and they said in verse 38, you don't care that we are perishing. So Jesus arose and he went to the sea and he said, peace be still. And the wind ceased and things became calm. Jesus then questioned the disciples and he said, why are you so fearful and have a little faith? My question to you is what storm are you facing right now? What storm are you facing? Are you stressed out? Are you anxious about it? Are you in fear? The Bible says, Jesus said, be anxious for nothing, but through prayer and supplication, make your requests known to God. Make your requests known to God and be anxious for nothing. It also says, fear not, for I am with you. God, I am with you. God's saying, I'm with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. I said it before, he's no respecter of persons. He is there with you at all times. So yes, we're going to get in fear sometimes, but we have to snap out of it. I mean, think about it. These disciples saw Jesus perform these miracles. We've not seen it firsthand the way it happened in the Bible, though we've seen some miracles. Um, but they still got in fear. So it's normal for us to get in fear, but we've got to snap out of it and trust the Lord at the end of the day and remember his promises and remind him of the word. That's what we must do. That storm in the Bible, it was literal. But I think it's a great analogy for how it feels when we're drowning. We feel that we're drowning. Sometimes we're drowning in loneliness, in boredom, in depression, in being overwhelmed, in confusion. We're unsure. We're uneasy. But we must, at the end of the day, alleviate our fears and know that the end is good. Why? Because that's what God promised. We have to calm our fears. We have to know that he's not going to leave us or forsake us. We must be pray and be quiet before the Lord. Listen to something that encourages you. And community, community is so important. Do not alienate yourself. That is a trick of the enemy. The one that came to kill, steal, and destroy. He gets you to alienate yourself. You then become depressed. You become anxious. You're dealing with all of these issues. Do not alienate yourself. Surround yourself with good people who are going to love you and love on you and be honest with you. The fourth miracle that I want to talk about is where Jesus turns water into wine. And that's in John 2, 1 through 11. And this was the first miracle that Jesus performed. First miracle that Jesus performed was this miracle. And what happened was there was a wedding in Cana. And Jesus, his mother Mary, and the disciples had been invited and they were all there. What I love about this miracle is that Jesus' mother Mary is the one that brought it on. She brought it out in Jesus. She noticed that the wine was gone, and they had to have wine in those ceremonies back in those days, but the wine was gone, and they had to have it for the entire ceremony. It was gone. So she looked at Jesus, and she told him, she said, there's no more wine. The wine is out. You know what Jesus did? Jesus got, I look at it as a little attitude. He looked and said, he got smart with her. He said, that's not our concern. He said, that's not our concern. 
He said, my time has yet not yet come. In other words, I think Jesus knew he was supposed to work miracles, but he was hesitant. He said, my time has not yet come. In other words, God hasn't told me yet, but his mother Mary told him. And in obedience to his mother, he acted. He moved. So the master of the feast was, was there. And Jesus, what he did is he told these servants. Now, mind you, Mary, his mother, told those servants before Jesus said it. She told them to listen and to obey whatever Jesus told them. She said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. I'm sure the servants were perplexed when Jesus told them to take these 30 or 40 gallon buckets of water that he saw, excuse me, empty buckets that they saw, that he saw. He asked them to go fill them up with water. I'm sure they were perplexed, like, why are we filling buckets up with water? But they did it. They listened. They obeyed. They did it. And guess what? He turned the water into wine. And when the servants went to provide this wine to the master of the feast, the master of the feast said, normally they give us the best wine in the beginning, but you've held out on the good stuff until the end. It's because that, that was Jesus' wine. He held out the good stuff because he turned that water into wine that day. And when it was served, it was the best they'd had. This miracle made Jesus' disciples believers. They saw it. And it was the first miracle. So it made them believers. What I would ask you in relation to this miracle is what are you bringing out in others? Mary brought this out in Jesus. What are you bringing out in your children? What do you see as their potential, even though they're not acting like it because they're acting in a fool and they're rebellious? You must speak life over them and encourage them and encourage your friends, encourage everybody, encourage your family to do great things. Encourage them. Encourage them to do miraculous things and to wait on God for miraculous things to occur. When I was going through it with my son, I'm telling you, Lord knows I want to knock his head off. But I did speak life over him. I never told him he was bad. He was terrible. You're the worst. I said things like, this is not your story. When he was rebelling, I said, this is not your story. I told him how smart he was. I told him how much potential he had. I told him what the things that God said about him. Sometimes the, the Bible says we don't look at what is seen, but we look at what is unseen. I had to see him as God saw him. Trust me. I had to also be re realistic with, with, with what he was doing, and I had to confront that. But then I had to reverse that on him and say, you know what? This is not who you are. These things that you're doing, it's not who you are. You are a son of God. God has bigger plans for you than this. You are so intelligent. You have so much potential. God has such huge plans for your life. Why are you letting the enemy have his way in your life? And you have to speak life over your children, especially your children, just like Mary did over hers. And you have to tell them what God says about them. You have to help them to see their potential. Same thing for your family members. Same thing for your friends. Same thing even for your enemies. Speak life. Speak life. I want to share with you a story, a miraculous story that happened to me in my life. Um, as I said before, I lost my job. I lost it in 2003. I was laid off. And the Holy Spirit told me to go back to school full time. So that was a miracle because I had to trust God. I'm like, Lord, I don't know how my bills are going to get paid, but I'm going to trust you. So for two years, I went to school full time. I'd already had my associate's degree got in May of that year in 2003. And in August, I lost my job. Guess what? Just in time for me to enroll to a four-year university and get my bachelor's degree. Mind you, I wasn't planning to continue school. I was going to take a break, 
work, save money, and eventually go and slowly work to get my bachelor's. Well, God had a different plan. So financially, it was tough those two years, though God provided. He provided. He brought the right people in my life. He provided. I will tell you, I only drew unemployment insurance for six months after I lost my job. First six months, I drew unemployment insurance, so I got a check every week for you know my income. I'd been paying taxes for it, and I got a check. It was not my full income. If you've ever been on unemployment, you know that. It's not your full income, but it was something. But after that six months, that ran out, and I had no extra income. So Christmas of 2004, it was the second year that I was laid off. And at this point, I was a senior and I was going to graduate in May. But it was Christmas time and I didn't have any money to buy my children Christmas, but I really wanted to buy them Christmas. So I prayed about it. I was sitting in my bedroom and I had a, beside my bed was a desk um, where my computer was and I did a lot of my schoolwork. And I would oftentimes sit in the chair at this desk and watch TV. And I was doing that that day and I was just talking to God. I said, God, I really wish that I could provide Christmas for my children this year. I'm just asking you to make a way. And I heard in my spirit, go and open up your uh, your drawer. So there was a drawer to the right um, in my bedroom, top right drawer. And it was my junk drawer. I put like mail in there and bills in there and maybe previous income taxes in there. And I put that stuff in that drawer and I didn't use it for clothes. So I go in over there. Honestly, I didn't know why I was doing it, but I was. I listened and I went and I opened the drawer. And there was a wallet there, and I heard God say, open the wallet. I opened up that wallet, and there was three crisp $100 bills in that wallet. Now, mind you, my children were home, but I could not even contain myself. I was jumping up and down, running around, acting a fool. And they're like, Mama, what is going on? Well, of course, I couldn't tell them because that's their Christmas. But I was so elated and so happy. And I've shared that story many a time since. Because it's so important. And it was a miracle. God worked a miracle. Now, did I put that money in that drawer? Yeah, I'm sure I did. I probably put that money in that drawer after I got my income tax return or maybe a bonus when I had like a quote unquote lump sum of money. Because I was, you know, kind of living paycheck to paycheck even before I um, lost my job. But there are times income tax time, you, you know, have dependents and you get a greater income tax return. Well, I put that money away, I'm sure. And God allowed me to forget about that money for such a time as this, because now I need it. I was in the right place at the right time. I listened to God. I went in that drawer, and there was that money. It was a miracle. God worked a miracle. My children had Christmas that year. And you might say, well, that's Christmas. What about paying your lights? What about paying your rent so you don't get evicted? Well, all those things are necessities, and they're important. And he said we shouldn't worry about what we're going to eat or where we're going to sleep or any of those things, because he's already going to take care of it. So the Christmas was just an added bonus, but God cares about what you care about. So you want to provide Christmas for your children. He wants to give you the desires of your heart. There's no reason you shouldn't be able to. So believe God for things that aren't also even necessities. And the other thing I want to share with you is um, sometimes God will tell you to do something that doesn't make sense. Like, for example, going back to the story of Mary and those servants when um Jesus told them to go fill up them with water and they were perplexed, I'm sure, and they didn't know what they were doing or why they were doing it, but they did it. Just obey God when he tells you to do something. Um, Because these servants had a front row seat to Jesus's first miracle. And it doesn't say their names anywhere, but I can imagine it changed their lives for them to see that miracle. In closing, I want to remind you of things that's necessary to do 
to see those miracles that you're waiting for come to pass in your life. And there's six things that I'm going to share. And we've talked about them all throughout this message. And I'm just going to recap here. The first one is humble yourself before the Lord and ask for what you need and begin thanking God for it before it comes to pass. Before you see it manifested in the earth. By the way, the the definition of miracles, the biblical definition is an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. So it's divine intervention in human affairs and it's an extraordinary event. And I'll tell you what, you've got to believe God for the miracles and you've got to speak life and you've got to believe it before you even see it. Because remember, I said before, we don't look at what is seen, but what is unseen. And we don't speak those things that be, we speak those things that be not as though they are. So speak life over your miracles, believe God for them before you see them manifest and begin thanking him for them and ask them him for it. Just like Legion asked for his healing. The second one is find some friends with crazy faith that will pray for you and with you and go the extra mile, just like the paralytic's friends did for him. The third one is don't be afraid of the storms uh, in your life. And that's easier said than done. We're going to get in fear, but we got to shake it off. Tell those storms, peace, be still. And remember, God knows the end and it is good. Now, let me remind you, we don't always get everything that we ask for. We do not. This is not our home. But you have to ask God for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if it's God's will, it shall come to pass. My father died almost five years ago at only 67 years old. And I asked God to work one more miracle in his life and save his life that last time. But God was ready to take him home. And I will talk more about it another day because my dad had already prepared me for it for sure. And my stepmom, because he did shared us a miraculous story that was happened to him probably a year or so, year and a half before he died. But it was his time. But for 25 years, my father was a living, walking, and breathing miracle because he lived with heart disease that many years, triple bypass, being shot back to life, multiple heart attacks, more than a dozen. But he was still alive, and he drove a truck for a living, a tractor trailer, an 18-wheeler for a living, and he retired when he was ready to retire at 65 years old, meaning he passed his physical exam that he had to take every single year leading up to that. So God was working miracles throughout his life, but when it was time for him to go, God took him home to be with Jesus. So I thank God for all the miracles he worked in my father's life, and I thank him that when it was time for him to rest, he let him go rest. So you have to trust God for his will, not always yours. You're not always going to get what you want. So the next thing is to speak life to others and encourage them, especially your children. Call out their potential. The fifth thing is do what God tells you to do. Even if it doesn't make sense to you or to others, I've said this before, it's so important, just obey. I've been there before where God's told me to do something and it seems crazy and I did it. I just trusted him. And then in the end, I saw why and everybody else got to see it too. So just obey God. And lastly, share your story, share your testimony, share those miracles that God has performed in your life. It will encourage others and we all need encouragement We, I scratch your back and you scratch mine. You share your miraculous stories and it will not only encourage others, it will encourage you because it will remind you of what God has done in your life so that you can be encouraged that he's going to work another miracle in whatever situation you're dealing with today. 
Trust in the Lord. Call on him while he is near, the Bible says. Call on him while he is near. Let us pray. Dear gracious and merciful Father, God, I just thank you for this word that went forth. I'm encouraged by it, Lord. I trust you for the miracles that I'm waiting to be manifested in my own life, God. I pray for everyone right now under the sound of my voice. If there is anything they stand in need of, God, you know exactly what it is. But I pray that they will call it out right now before you and tell you exactly what it is that they need. They will speak it to you right now. They'll have bold faith and they will ask you. You said we have not because we ask not. You said ask and ye shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. We must ask. We must seek. God, we must knock. So I pray that my listeners will ask, they will seek, and they will knock, and that you will open the door. We thank you, God, and we just pray that they will be patient. We'll all be patient until we see these miracles manifested in our lives. But we thank you, God, in advance because we know that you're on the throne. We know that you're sitting on the right hand of Jesus, making petitions for us every day. So we thank you, God, for standing in the gap for us. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who loved us so much that he died for us. We thank you, God, that we know we also have a holy home that we'll be able to come home to be with you someday, too. And if anyone isn't saved and they're sound my voice, I pray that they will accept you right now and they will say that they choose to believe that you are real, you do exist, you did die, and you rose again. We thank you for it, we praise you for it, and we thank you for what is to come in the days ahead of us. We love you, and we pray to you these in all of our prayers. In Christ Jesus' holy name, amen. Amen, podcast listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I look forward to talking to you again very, very, very soon. God bless you, and I love you all with the love of Christ. Goodbye. This was Kingdom Talk with Tanya. Thank you for listening.